Hi, I'm Steve Mabb, Chair of the Australian Shareholders Association, and we're proud to be hosting the 2024 Investor Conference in Melbourne from the 19th to the 21st of May. And we're stoked that Phil, the host of this podcast, is going to be our special guest MC. If you haven't heard much about the ASA Conference, it's a flagship event that attracts around 300 investors and industry professionals, including the Chair of National Australia Bank this year, the Chair of AGL. We have Dr. Sam Hupert, the founder and CEO of Primedicus, and we've also got Richard White, the founder and CEO of WiseTech coming along, along with many others. For a limited time, new members can enjoy special pricing on registration for the upcoming conference, along with a complimentary 12-month digital membership with the ASA. That's two-day conference registration plus one-year ASA membership for $499, a saving of $150. Simply search for Australian Shareholders Conference Register, click on two-day conference non-member, enter the discount code MEM, as in member, 499, the number's 499, so that's MEM 499 to claim your special offer. Come along and meet me and Phil at the conference. We look forward to seeing you there. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shares for Beginners. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a Shares for Beginners quick tip. Essential lessons, questions answered. So yesterday I spoke with Raji Kabaz, who's an ex-hedge fund manager in New York City. He's founded an education program for school students called Learn Wall Street, which you can find at learnwallstreet.org. I'll be releasing the full episode soon, but I couldn't resist putting this segment out as a quick tip. The whole interview is full of juicy titbits, but in this excerpt, we spoke about risk and volatility, understanding that markets go up and down, the effects of inflation and the dangers of leaving your money in cash. People make decisions without knowing they're making decisions with money. It's such it's it's worth so much more now than it would be later trying to understand the concept. So, you know, the first step to understanding why you have to invest is if you're in cash, you're you are investing and negatively historically. You know, we show them interesting exhibits like what a car costs in the 30s, you know, you know what you know, Harvard tuition was 800 or 400 a year in 1930. That has an impact on them because they they kind of see what happens to money? If you had set aside $4,000 to buy a house in the 1930s, put that in cash instead of the house, and 40 years later, you're going to retire and use that money for a house, you know, in New York, it buys you one month's rent in a one-bedroom apartment, right? It has an impact on them. But the challenge for the kids is you don't want to give them just exposure. You want to give them wisdom, right? Like a lot of programs are heavy on the knowledge part theory. What is a PE? What is a stock? And we want to teach that together with, here's a life lesson. Here's a case study. Why get bloodied in battle right away like we all had to do when you can learn from other people's failures and successes? They say the Wall, Wall Street is the Colosseum. You know, gladiators practice with wooden swords before they go fight. And these case studies are, are, are in a way practice for them. Understand in real terms what this means. And I think when they relate to that, it stays with them longer. And it makes them want to take the other lessons. Every lesson, if you think about it, leads to the next lesson, which starts altogether, solves pieces of the question of how to be a smart steward of your own capital. 
imagine we're trying to teach a lesson on tail risk and catastrophic risk. That's sort of a part of the risk-reward le lesson. So in the risk-reward lesson, we talk about what risk, risk and reward, expected payoff. We give stock market examples uh, from a sector asset class perspective on what were good risk-reward investments, like SPACs in 2021, not so good. Uh, what were you know good risk-reward, maybe energy in 2020 at the bottom of COVID, that kind of stuff. But we want to talk about catastrophic risk. We wanted to deal, show them in a way they could understand. So here's the way you teach catastrophic risk with M&Ms. Imagine there's three M&Ms. One is green, one is blue, and one is red. If you pick a green M&M, something really good happens to you. If you pick a blue M&M, nothing happens to you. Not good nor bad. If you pick a red M&M, something really bad happens to you. Then in class, we have a jar with different proportions of M&Ms. In the first case, two big jars of blue and green M&Ms and a tiny jar of red M&Ms. The second case, a giant jar of red M&Ms and very small jars of blue and green m &Ms. And they get to decide, would you pick now, would you not pick now? Obviously, blindfolded, but they get a sense of, okay, if there's proportionally more red M&Ms, that's not good. And if there's not that many, that's less risk. And that's kind of a way to get them to think about that. Making this podcast, something's really become clear to me that the idea of risk in the finance industry is different to what a normal person's idea of risk is. A normal person's idea of risk is they don't want to lose all their money. But um, in finance, it's more related to volatility. Is that the case? There's a fair bit of the curriculum where we highlight the fact that markets crash. You know, for people who've never been in the stock market, the perception of stocks just move in a straight line or they move up every year. And we look at case studies where some of the best performing stocks didn't do anything for uh, long periods of time or, or didn't perform um, perform poorly over substantial periods of time. You know, it's absolutely true. We also take it for granted people's level of comfort with things like volatility. The first time you experience volatility, it's scary. And, you know, while investing is very unique, you get a score that's objectively measured to the penny. You know, you can look intraday and see how you're doing. It takes practice to be able to look at a screen and see you're down all this red and not have it affect you. And I think when people come into the market, they're, they're the most vulnerable to that kind of uh, emotional reaction, which gets in the way of what you're, what you're right, being rational and smart about investing. I think when they understand it's not that uh, unusual, you can point out when every, once every seven years, you get a correction. Once every X years, you get this much of a correction. The normal return to break even in the market is typically this period after it. And then you see in the chart, okay, this is normal. You know, and you, you try and highlight lessons, like I said, like the gladiators with the wooden swords. Understand you have volatility. We go through the major last three crashes, internet bubble in 2000, the mortgage crisis in 08, 09, uh, COVID 2020. And you can see each time situations where the headlines where the world is ending and what happens. And it, I, I hopefully it gives them a frame of mind to understand that volatility and flat periods are very normal, um, and it's just, you know, the best thing is to ignore it. We also, you know, highlight it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, people react to, we use an example. Let's say you buy a house, and the next day somebody comes in and offers you 50% less. Would you panic? No, you don't have to sell the house. Two years, if somebody comes in and offers you four times your house, you can take it. And we try and get them to understand with stocks, as long as they're not levered, and we deal with margin, the evils of margin, they shouldn't care where the stock is tomorrow or the next day. They should care where it is in 20 years or 30 years when they retire. And 
you know, we use examples of stocks like, you know, it's interesting. The second best performing stock, I believe, in the S&P 500 in the last 20 years was United Healthcare Group. Apple was first. You would have thought more tech, but United Healthcare Group. If you don't United Healthcare Group over the last 10 years, in every single year, you would have suffered a major drawdown. It's just the nature of the business. And I, I think by highlighting how normal it is and how frequent it happens, it, it helps them get from a place of pure fear on their way towards a place where not so much fear. Well, I guess this is a great jumping off point to talk about the madness of crowds. <laughs> what do you teach about the madness of crowds? Um, you know, if you've read the book, uh, Popular Delusions and Madness of Crowds. Everybody who's ever studied Ponzi's, it's a classic. I thought it's a great time to cover that. You know, a lot of courses, again, overly focused on what's a PE, what's an income state. Let's talk about what's going on. You know, these kids today, because they're on social media, are exposed to so much snake oil salesman nonsense. It's unbelievable. Crypto, this, NFT, that, buy a dancing ballerina gorilla for this. Uh, and then the flashes of wealth, right? It's people with cars and money. They have exposure to this stuff in a way they wouldn't have had. You know, you would never have thought your kids would be, you know, getting the Nigerian prince help me phone call at seven or the internet version of it, right? But, you know, that, that, but that's what happens. When, when they're on the internet, when they're on social media, they're exposed to money and they're exposed to cons. And we hadn't seen it done by any other class. We devoted a whole lesson on it. Um, behavioral psychology, Ponzi schemes, Madoff, what is a Ponzi scheme, asset bubbles, you know, what creates them, what do they look like? We went th go through historical stuff. Some historical, like tulip mania, that's a famous one. Um, we talk about the internet bubbles. But then we get, you know, more like mem stocks and things, examples. Um, you know, favorite one we use is Hertz. They went bankrupt and then people started trading the stock. You know, you get these crazy outcomes. And I think it's important now because they are much more exposed to financial fraud and shenanigans than we in our generation ever was through social media. And it's also the desire to get rich quick. I mean, it's such a temptation, isn't it? They say the effect on young girls on social media is they want to lose weight and the unrealistic perceptions of their body. Well, social media also gives people unrealistic perceptions of how easy wealth is to create. And how, you know, what's the smart way of creating money? You know, long term, you know, index, tax efficient. You know, you don't need to be a gunslinger with all your money, but they're on there and their friends are making, you know, all this money in 30 seconds. And they don't have the ability to process that and know how much nonsense and danger that is. And we devote a whole class to that. And I think it's also interesting because it, um, it highlights the importance that finance and business has a very strong psychology component that you don't see in things like math and physics and astronomy. And it's it's really good to underline the point that a return of, say, 12% per annum for 20, 30, 40 years is actually fantastic because- Unbelievable. It is. It's unbelievable if you can get that. You know, it's a superpower because of it. You don't need to do, you know, 25%. They, 50 years, they're 50 they can invest for 70, 80 years. And it's unbelievable what compounding looks like. I mean, I wish I, I would have paid millions if somebody told me this when I was seven, eight years old. All that lingo gone into an S&P index fund. <laughs> that's right. Um, but people aren't exposed, who aren't exposed to it, they hear 12% and they go, oh, that's not very much, is it? They just don't have that understanding. Well, you know, it's, it's one of the challenges of compounding. If you look at the mathematical graph of compounding, it doesn't look like it's doing anything for a long time. It gets bigger, and it, and at the rate at which it gets bigger, it gets bigger, because your your capital, your your profits are reinvested, and then those profits are reinvested. So there's that dynamic, and then there's the other challenges, which is panic emotions. You know, it's easy to get shaken out, 
and knowledge. I, I, I think, you know, people tell somebody, like inflation, I tell people inflation two, three percent, like, what do I care? Well, 20 years, half your money's gone. I mean, my, my wife has friends who had money 40 years ago and they don't trust the market or banks and they put in a safety deposit box. And it was a lot of money back then and now it's not a lot of money and it's, it's kind of sad. Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 